Welcome everyone. I'm Sue Barber, author, former IT director for a Fortune 500 company, turn executive coach, and this is the Visibility Factor podcast, where we explore how to raise your visibility and play bigger at work and in life. We'll explore key topics and welcome guests that help you shift your thinking about yourself so you can see new possibilities for your leadership. I'm on a mission to create a visibility movement for leaders to show their value and be seen for their true talent. Are you ready to take the next step towards a higher level of visibility for yourself? Let's go. The Visibility Factor podcast is brought to you in part by the 90-Day Visibility Breakthrough Accelerator Program. Do you believe deep down inside that you can have a bigger career, but you don't know how to get there? You can keep doing what you're doing, but what if there is a better way that could accelerate your progress? This 90-day program is a powerful experience that is unique to you and provides dedicated time to focus on your specific challenge. It gives you the time to develop big ideas and plans to execute them, including the tools, resources, and motivation needed for success. Hundreds of clients have used this same program to take them to the next level in their career and to create a better life. Join me in a 90-day experience that focuses on challenges like creating a strategic plan, how to lead an organizational change, or prepare for a career transition. This dedicated time will help you see new possibilities, recognize your strengths, and take away key insights that can be leveraged immediately. Are you ready to create a breakthrough for yourself? If you're interested in learning more, visit susanmbarber.com forward slash visibility breakthrough accelerator for more information and to sign up for the program. I look forward to seeing you there. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Visibility Factor podcast. This is Sue Barber, your host. Today, I am thrilled to bring you my guest, Melissa Newton. Melissa and I met on LinkedIn, and we've been going back and forth for quite a while and actually got to meet in person about a month ago. And I'm so excited to have her on the show. I know she's going to share a lot of great information with you as an author and a publisher and an editor. She's done so many great things, and I'm excited for her to share that with you. So, Melissa... Please do an intro of yourself and welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Sue. I'm really delighted to be here today. And hopefully we can have some conversation that can be valuable to uh, the audience today. Just a brief overview about who I am and what I do. You know, as you said, I'm a writer and a publisher and I've been doing it for a long time. And when I worked in corporate over the years, I was publishing two online magazines. One was with women, a literary magazine. One was on money. And I reached a point where I wanted to make a shift in my career. So I left corporate. And since that time, and I've I've authored 18 books, and my core work that I do is I help authors and co-author teams write and publish their books. Because it is a big factor in being visible to have books and the written word out mm-hmm. there. So I know, I, you know, I also will take on copy editing projects for people that, um, that are experts that write for trade magazines. And I do other things on the side that I enjoy, like I'm a nature photographer and I enjoy music. I'm a musician and a pianist. And I, one thing that I enjoy doing is I'll go out to senior living communities and sing and share stories. So that's kind of in a nutshell about some of the primary things that I do with my work, which I find so rewarding. Yeah, when I read your bio, all I could think about is what a creative resource you must be, not only for the authors you work with, but just for the people like in the senior community who are probably really happy to see you come in and share 
your gifts with them that they may not have themselves or don't have anyone else to do for them. I think that's amazing. I think that's the one thing that I've really enjoyed. And I think it's also just part of the the family gene pool because we're all like this. I come from a family of teachers. We are musicians, artists, and nothing is more rewarding than bringing that creativity to the table when I'm working with my authors. This is what's been interesting too, and I'm sure you can say the same thing with you as you started your business. You go in with a certain thought process about what you are going to do, and then all of a sudden you're working with real people and what their problems and issues are, and then it starts to morph and change. And to to be viable, and to bring to the table what your clients really need, you have to pivot and change with that, don't we? So that's what I saw happen with me. I started out strips, you know, doing mostly ghosting because I'd done a lot of ghosting when I was working full time. And that's changed to more collaborations or taking. So I've had one author that is wanting to take the work that they've already written and you know, research that they've done for their doctoral work. And we created a book with that. Or I've worked with others that just want to repurpose materials they've already written, LinkedIn blogs and posts and things like that. And then we have other individuals that say, I don't really want to be, uh, you know, intricately involved with everything. I want you to record me and write up the material for me and I'll read the manuscript and then we'll go from there. So I found that the work that I did had had to be customized to what the needs were. And that was something that I had to come and learn, I think, when I first started my business, because I thought, oh, it's just going to be a certain way or a certain thing. And you sort of have that perception, too, when you go out and see what's publicly on the Internet, you know, in terms of people that offer a similar type of service, it's usually just fits in this box. And I found out that, you know, boxes come in all different sizes, (laughs) which is what's been fun because you end up applying the creativity to say, how do you accomplish your goals? Because your goals may be different from somebody else. And again, it's always that visibility factor that's a part of that. And we can talk about that later because I, I... Your book caused me to do a lot of thinking about how the written word is used to be an important part of that visibility factor so that nothing gets accomplished if no one knows you're there. I love all of that. Yeah, I can only imagine that there are so many people out there that are interested in writing a book. And ever since I wrote mine, many people say, oh my gosh, I really want to do that, but you know, and then they have all the reasons why they aren't ready for it, or they don't know if it's the right time or if they can actually do it. I wanted to just clarify one thing for the listeners. When you talk about ghosting, you're talking about ghostwriting, correct? Yes, it's ghostwriting. For people that don't know what a ghostwriter is, it's this little curtain of invisibility. And if you'll look at many different kinds of books, you'll see maybe somebody has written a book and their names on it, but there was somebody in the background that actually wrote the book for them. And 99% of the time, the individual that's authoring the book, you know, the person on the book cover, the name, they've contributed information, their story, whatever that is, but they didn't write it 
they had somebody else that had the skills in writing to pull it all together. And then depending on who that person is, they read the manuscript. I mean, 99.9% of my clients, you know, that I've done ghostwriting for, I will write the manuscript, but we work in tandem. I send them chapters, they read through it, they make their edits. So it's a collaboration, but I'm doing the heavy lift. Yeah, yeah. I think it's uh, something I didn't even know was a thing too much before I got into this world of writing books. And, um, you know, my book editor and person who led the workshop, AJ Harper, you know, used to do that as well. And so she talks about the experience of that, very similar to what you have shared for your, you know, authors is it's a very different model, but I love that you kind of customized or added value in a way that maybe you didn't expect to. The things that you thought you were going to do changed a bit, but you were able to pivot and move through that and and offer them what they actually needed to get their books out into the world. I think that's amazing. And you know what? It's an irony. It actually has had my work more interesting because it makes it different. I think that's, you know, when I've worked back in my corporate days, uh, you know, the last place I worked at was a smaller company. So you end up wearing a lot more hats. Anybody who works for a small company knows how that works. You do this, you do this, you do this, you know. So, And that's what's ended up being the case with me, with my work, is that um, every book project is different. And that makes it a lot of fun. Yeah. So I just want to ask you before we leave the corporate topic, because this comes up a lot in many of uh, the interviews I do with guests, is how was that transition for you from leaving corporate into having your own business you know, creating this model that maybe you didn't even expect to create with authors. How was that transition for you? I think for me, the transition was one that was filled with optimism and wanting to do change. And I was kind of in a position because I was later on in my career, I came from banking and I was in, you know, sort of in the middle edging towards the, you know, when you think of it as a hill, you know, I'm, I was at the age and place that I was like at the top of the hill and then it would be starting going the other direction. So I, I was ready for a change. I've been in banking and so forth for over 25 years. I was ready for something different. So when I walked out the door, um, I was filled with optimism and and naively, frankly, um, not realizing also what I was stepping into. Because the thing is, is that I'd always, and for a lot of people that may decide to have a home office, whether they're going to go and be a coach or do some type of work that's going to be out of their home, you have to have a home office. You can't be working at the kitchen table or the living room. So if you decide that you're going to leave your job and transition to full-time work, you this would be my first piece of big advice have a designated space that you could either close the door or go in the basement and create a workspace wherever you have to. So that's in your mental mindset, that's a job. That's your work. That's really important. I always had a home office because I always worked on on the side doing writing and so forth. So I always had one. So that was helpful. But um, I must tell you, When you start working for yourself, the learning curve is actually pretty steep because you think you know what you're walking into. And then all of a sudden, like, oops, yeah, no, those were things that I didn't know. Um, 
And for me, and this is what I would recommend, at least I found this helpful. I reached out to an organization called SCORE, S-C-O-R-E, and they had a, a really a robust group at my local library. Now I'm in the Chicagoland area. This one was at the located at the Naperville Library. It's called uh, Naper Launch. They're still there today. Fantastic. They, uh, if people are not familiar with SCORE, it is an organization that has retired professionals of all levels, and they're usually higher ups and executives that can come in and they help guide individuals that are small, new small business owners to help set up operations or ask questions. And it can be everything from if you need legal counsel or operational uh, for setting up your accounting systems, tech, whatever. And I found that really helpful because I was then with other people that were new business owners that we're on the same page. It's like, yeah, we want to work for ourselves. We want to make a difference. We want to work with something that we're passionate about. You have to, this would be my second point. You need to get yourself in a community of other people that are business owners so that you're on the same page. Because people that are entrepreneurs or small business owners or even solopreneurs, your head's in a different place than somebody that's an employee. You got to work with other be, uh in a support system that will give you just that and share information that you don't know to try to avoid some of the pitfalls. So, and it's just like with me, when I'm working with my clients, I've worked with publishing and writing for so many years. And some people will say, well, where do I start? Like, well, do you have an hour? You know, so just like with everything, there's a learning curve. And my advice to anyone that wants to leave their corporate job have your designated space and then find your support system like a score or other like local group that can help guide you through that first year. Yeah, so important. I, I definitely had some people in my world that helped me and I've built my own community of coach friends that we meet on a regular basis. And, you know, I'm part of the author community with AJ's group and that's so helpful too. So there's so many resources I think you need because you miss, I missed anyway, having a team. I missed having people that I worked with every day that, you know, we would kind of share stories and, and work through challenges together. And you don't have that when you're on your own. And so it is a big shift. And it took me a little while, much like you, it was a steep learning curve for sure. But, so I'm curious now you have all these authors and you just said to them, like, where do I begin? What do you think the biggest challenges are for new potential authors. This is going to sound like a funny thing to say, but it's the commitment and determination to stick to it. Because I, you know, when you see a book, I, you know, I think of how my authors feel. And even like when I feel when I get my books and you know what that feeling is when you opened the box and there are so many steps between that. And even when I talk to people for the first time and they're wanting to do it, I have to be really careful because I'm somebody that likes the weeds. And I've worked with some authors that said, they'll say, Melissa, you're, you're getting into the weeds. I don't want to hear the weeds. Um, so my, my first thought is, is if you want to write a book out the gate, you have to say, I'm going to be committed and determined to do it. Because you can, I've seen this too. You can start a book project with, tons of energy. I'm so excited. And then 
depending on how long it takes you or what you're working on, I mean, you're talking months of work and you have to kind of be determined that you're going to keep going through it, especially when you get towards the end. And you can probably vouch for this, too. When you have the final manuscript that, you you know, whether you're writing for yourself, you're working with um, a book coach or you're working with someone that actually is helping you do the writing. Once you get that manuscript done, then you have to go back and do the final look. And even at the point where whether you're sending it to, you know, if you're working with one of the big five and you're sending it in with your editor, they're going to go and mark stuff up and then you've got to go and rework it and refine it. And because you want to have the best product that you can by the time you're done. You're spending a lot of time doing that. And that's writing the book and getting it published is only the, you know, you finished three phases of that. Now the next part of it is promoting the book. This is where a lot of people can become disillusioned. They go and put all this effort into a book and then it doesn't go anywhere. I mean, tons of books, especially it's a different world today with Amazon and and then you have the independents like, you know, outlets that you can publish your book through. You know, uh, we won't get into that. I'm getting into the weeds. So that's the big thing. Once you've determined, you say, I want to write this book. Then the next step is, is making that decision. Is this something that I can do on my own? Or do I need help? And then if you need help, then you start that journey of finding the people that you need to help you or person. And I just uh, had posted something recently about this advice. If somebody's interested in publishing and writing, do take the time to read about it, what's involved, whether you decide that you want to go and publish with uh, an independent publisher or a one of the big five, you need to understand that process. Or if you're going to self-publish, you got to understand how that works. And the reason why is I've, I, I hear a lot of stories from people that, that come and talk to me and they've gotten burned, meaning something wasn't done properly or they ended up spending a lot of money. Or if you understand the process of th- how things work, then you're just a more informed consumer, right? Because you're spending money to have somebody help you if you decide to do that. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a journey for me. And it, you know, I've mentioned on the show, it took me four and a half years. So there was a big commitment. I didn't expect it to take that long, honestly. Uh, but part of it is learning about yourself. You know, As you go through the process, there's a lot of self-reflection. Uh, it's about helping the reader feel really connected to the stories you're sharing or the things that you're talking about in the book. And that takes time. I mean, it just takes time. And one of the things that AJ always talked to us about is, you know, your editor is going to be there to help you and support you. So, you know, to your point about getting the manuscript done first and then getting the edits, the edit process to me was so fascinating. (laughs) I had no idea how much uh, fun editing could be. And it's a lot of work too, but I really learned a lot through that process. It's a lot of work. I, I find editing really fascinating. Um, what I enjoy is when I'm working with uh, people that are publishing articles for trade or doing consumer magazines. The expectations are high because then you know, you're publishing for somebody else. And uh, the, the nuance of words, this is what's really interesting. For the editor, when they're working with people, and you probably saw this too, Editors have to be careful that they don't change the voice or intent of what the author is trying to say. 
that's one of the biggest challenges of ghostwriting is that I have to write it as if that person's speaking. So that's one of the big challenges. And so if anybody's looking for a ghostwriter, that's like the number one thing on your list. They got to be able to write like it too. But I, I find editing fascinating because, and, and you learn too, Sue, you probably saw this with yourself. As you worked with your editor, you were learning. There are ways that sentences are structured or words that you can choose because one word may be better than the other. Deciding if, you know, the audience that you're writing for, are you going to have the $50 word? Are you going to go with the, you know, the 15 cent word so something is really clear? So, um, you know, and again, that's the power of the written word. And I say that a lot because the power of the written word is just that. There's so many things tied with that. It's, it's conveying thought and stories and getting messages out where you can't be. Your book, The Visibility Factor, goes places you can't. Yeah, I loved every bit of it. And I remember getting the original, like I got the manuscript, put it through, did all my edits, what I thought needed to be done. And when it came back, I was so surprised, like how much better it sounded. Like they're the same words, right? She put them in different order or she put some changes in there or, you know, how we talked about it offline. And and when I read it, I thought, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. You know, it's, it's hard when it's your own stuff to look at it and say, wow, this is so much better. But it's not like I didn't write it. It's just she improved how it sounded or changed some words around to make it sound even better. And to your point, more clear. Uh, I think that's an important part. You have to be willing to say, I love this the way it is, but is it clear enough for the reader to get it? Is it going to really impact them in the best way? And sometimes you have to make those choices, right? I could be maybe too wordy in my story and the way she told, you know, helped me tell it in a better way is more impactful. So I think there's some of that, you have to have some give and take as the author and say, you know, what's the right thing for the reader? Um, even if it feels like all of those words make a lot of sense to you, you lived it. So <laughs> it's easy to say that. You know, it's interesting hearing you uh, say this. I immediately thought, Sisu, you're learning as they're going in and doing the editing. You'll see what they've done. And what's going to happen, Sue, when you sit and write your next book or you write an article for something, you're going to remember what they did. It's like, ooh, oh, um, no, I've learned that it's probably better to have shorter sentences. This isn't the 1800s where one sentence is a paragraph. Because if you go back and read books from the 19th century, they tend to be written that way. Very, very long, very heavy reading. But you do learn that. And this is the other thing that's something that writers and you know, authors need to kind of embrace a little bit, that in some ways... And some people may argue the point with me, but at the end of the day, in many ways, your book is also a product. It has to be speaking to people and bringing value. It needs to be understood and it needs to be written well, or no one's going to want your book or you're going to get a bad review. So writing is a constant learning experience. I've been writing for a long time. We'll just leave it at that. And I, I look back at, especially in the days when I was interested in writing fiction, and I really found that I was not a fictional writer. You know, it just did not flow. 
like it does with nonfiction. And this is going back and I'll go back and look at work that I did in my early 20s. And it's like, oh, my goodness, that's so terrible. What was I thinking? You know, I thought it was so good. Um, so anyway, it's it's a it's a fascinating journey. And let me say this one thing to our listeners today. Everybody can write. Everybody, as long as you are literate and you have a of, have knowledge of the uh, of how to write, even in its most basic, you can learn to become a better writer. You can do it in small venues. Did you know LinkedIn? You know, and of course, as you mentioned, that's that's the world that we connected in. That is a wonderful venue for tipping your toes into writing because you can write posts. They don't need to be very long. You can go and look at other people's posts and learn from them. And how are they conveying thoughts and kind of massage those muscles. And it's also very important, number two, to be reading. Read the kind of books that you're interested in writing or that are of interest to your audience. My, my house is filled with books. You see it behind me. This is just these, and some of those are my history books, but I've got hallways that are filled with books because I'm a voracious reader. But you learn by reading, even for people that it's out of the context of this our conversation, but for people that may decide to write fiction. I remember meeting a very well-known, successful author. I used to cover book signings at Borders years ago. And she said, the most important thing that you do is read, 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 because you do learn by reading and learning the craft, because there is a craft to writing. A hundred percent agree. And I think that is the interesting thing today, too, because you have multiple mediums to read books, right? You can listen to books now where that didn't used to be a thing. And sometimes I'll listen to books versus reading them. And sometimes I'll do both. I'll get the hardcover book if they have a lot of cool things in there that I want to go look at again. Uh, But listening to a book is also interesting too. I found it to be a fascinating experience to record my book and to really think about the author as the author, how I want to convey the story, you know, through speaking it now versus writing it, because there are pieces you need to change. Do a lot of your authors do audiobooks too, or are they more focused on just written Actually, more recently, there have been more uh, people that I've talked to that are interested in audio. As a matter of fact, I'm uh, I'm working with one um, person, a lady right now, and that is her intent to do audio as well. I talked to somebody else. He's in another field, and uh, he's also interested in doing audio. And the technology is there. But to your point, what's interesting is that how we hear words is different than how we do things visually. I know sometimes that's a tool I'll even use when I'm doing my editing. I'll do that. Uh, I'll have the manuscript read back to me, depending on the content. And, and, and it, it catches things that you don't, your eyeballs don't catch. But that's also what's exciting about making the written word available today. For, for each individual and what depending on what their goals are, you know, let's just take you as the example. You have your book. That's one outlet for your written word. You have your 
the work that you do on LinkedIn, for example. That's other thing. Um, there's so many different outlets for the written word, whether people are writing articles or blogging or posting, and it's not even LinkedIn. I mean, if, you're, if you are, uh, your audience is to the consumer market, you may decide to do Facebook or Instagram or those kind of things. So that's the exciting thing too, is that it's accessible in so many ways, but there's a drawback to that too, is then there's a very loud space, Yes. right? So it's like, how do people, goes back to the visibility factor. Mm -hmm. How do you make, you know, how, how does that work? So yeah, it can be distracting. It can be a little distracting, but I think you have to decide who your audience is and where they live and spend probably the most time there. It's not that I don't spend time on Instagram and Facebook and all other places, but LinkedIn is definitely where a lot of the people that would read my book would be. So it makes sense for me to focus there. And I wanted to add one thing. There's a lot of people now on LinkedIn who are posting, you know, based on their own research and for their businesses, what they have found to be effective on LinkedIn. So I'll share some of those uh, resources with you in the notes um, for the audience, because sometimes it's putting graphics together. Sometimes it's doing video. There's different things that they've been testing out to see what really helps people read their content in a bigger way. And you know, it's, it's a very fast world, right? I think, I don't know how long posts last now, maybe three hours, maybe less. And so you have to, you have to really find what works for the people that want to read your content and for you. And, you know, where can you spend your time in the best way? I agree. And I would also throw out here to, to think about this. And I've shared this before with my followers on LinkedIn is when you're creating content, like you said, with the posts, they, they fly through fo- so fast. And some folks out there are creating fantastic stuff. Fantastic. Put, in the, put yourself in the mindset of like, how am I going to, the word is repurpose. Find ways to reuse that information. And this is why you can take those materials. I'm talking to an author about that. How to take those materials and then repurpose it into something else. Now, of course, for me, my expertise is books. But you could repurpose those materials. If you're someone out there that has a lot of content and it's just disappearing, for lack of a better word, out into the LinkedIn space, figure out how you want to reuse that. And you can do that through ebooks. That's the fastest way to do things. You can do it as uh, sales funnel books on your own website. You can use those materials for books, paperback, hardback. Do it for audio. There's so many different ways to reuse your material that you've worked so hard on and thought about. Yeah, I don't do anything without thinking about that, honestly. I mean, this podcast that we're recording is going to create a transcript. You know, there's going to be quotes that we could pull from this. Um, There's going to be a video of highlights that we do. You know, I sometimes will take some of the topics that I talk about on the podcast and turn them into blogs or turn them into a video that I make. So I really do think about that. That wasn't something I understood in the beginning. I was like, okay, good. I wrote a blog. Great. It's out there. Uh, But I think it's the repurposing of the content because there's so much out there and you want to make sure that your voice, you know, to talk about the visibility angle of this, right? My voice needed to be out there. And that wasn't something I focused on initially. I didn't realize that I was using other people's stuff and commenting on it in places, which is okay to do for sure. But my voice wasn't out there. My videos, my picture were not out there. And that is what 
I really saw as a big game changer for me when I started doing that. And obviously the book was coming out and so I would publish stuff about the book and all that kind of stuff too. But it's important to, I think, be a little strategic about it. I think it's not just kind of winging it and and hoping for the best. Uh, You do have to put some strategy behind it and think about how you're going to use what you're doing in the best way and how it's going to be helpful and valuable. Uh, That's the other angle I always try to think about is, is this valuable for someone? Is there a reason that they would actually find this beneficial? And so sometimes when clients ask me for things, I'll create it and say, okay, well, now I've created it for them. I'm sure other people would benefit by using it too. So to me, nothing I create is going to waste. Even if I don't end up doing a program or something, I can you know, revamp it in some way and use it for something else. So I, I view everything that I do as something that's going to be used in some way, shape or form at some point. And, that's, and, and doesn't that just make sense? Why reinvent the wheel mm-hmm. when all, all things that you've already created are like already fantastic, right? So- <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, I think so, but you know, who knows, right? Uh, so I would love to ask you a question that uh, I'm not sure if you've been asked before, but what do you want your legacy to be in your business or in your life? I think my first response is is not the, you know, it's like there was a business to sell or something like that. That's not what I most passionate about. I think my legacy is that if people were standing around and talking about me, they would say, wow, Melissa made a difference in my life. She helped me. And then it can, you know, can kind of fill in the blank. This is a place in my life too now that, and I find this a common theme. It, mm-hmm. it does depend on the individual, but I see this very common is that people want to be giving back. Or they want meaning to what they're doing. It's not just to go and do a job. And this is particularly true for people that are entrepreneurs and solopreneurs. They want to make a difference in other people's lives. So in terms of my legacy, like I said, if people are sitting around in a room and talking about me, they can say, wow, uh, it was wonderful getting to know her. I learned from her. And she was able to help me accomplish mm-hmm. doing, yeah. you know, whatever. That would be wonderful. Yeah. Well, I have no doubt that's what they will be saying. <laughs> no doubt. After after talking to you multiple times, I have no doubt that that will be the case. Because I, I think you you come from a place of adding value first. You know, it's, it's really kind of seems like something that you just that's who you are. It's not something you like are strategic about. It's very much like, this is just who I am. I'm authentically looking for a way that I can help you in the best way or support you. And I want you to be successful, right? I think that's, that's just who you are. Well, and I'll tell you, from, from my side of the seat, nothing is more joyful for me than to see somebody that I'm working with I'll, let me give you to be joy. Then they are joyful or excited about something. I'll give you just a small example. I helped an author. Um, she's not tech. So I said, here, let me just help you. It'll be not a big deal. She's going to be really pushing out, doing a lot more book signings and speaking engagements and so forth. She's a doctor. And um, she says, I need some bookmarks for my book. So I went ahead and I had a resource to be able to go do that. I did the design. I'm not any fabulous designer or anything like that, but I've got core skills that I could go and create something for. 
And we just ordered those and, and then I had them shipped to her house. She got them. I was just talking to her on the phone yesterday. And I said, oh, by the way, how did your bookmarks come out? And she like whips them out and like hands it and like shows next to her book. Look, they're even the exact same colors and I'm going great. Uh, And she was so thrilled. I was so excited. And I was living her joy vicariously because she was joyful and it helped her accomplish something. And that's actually going to be a functional tool as she goes out and she meets with people. And I encourage you to have the same thing with you as you're out walking around, you never know who you're going to run into in a store or whatever that you have either a, for writers, anybody who writes, you should always have a few of those little, you know, bookmarks. If people don't know what they are, they're those little, you know, uh, little narrow little pieces of cards that has like the picture of your book and maybe a few uh, quotes in it or whatever and where they can buy the book. Have those in your purse or your pocket uh, or a little business card or something so that that information about your book is always available at the tip of your fingers for somebody. But that's just an example. I was so thrilled for her. She was so excited. We were smiling and doing thumbs up, all of that. <laughs> and that was exciting. And that that's that I find so rewarding. Clearly, I'm making a living doing this. People are paying me for my time. But it's that's the other thing, too, I've got to add in. I just... And I'm sure you can say the same thing with the clients that you work with. These are these become not just, you know, clients that, you know, our credit card payment that comes in. These become relationships and friends. And you share you're sharing uh, stories together. And this is what makes certain kind of jobs interesting. Um, Coaches people that serve as mentors and guides, you know, people like me, writers, that you're spending a lot of time with people and there's there becomes this level of trust and familiarity that special relationships are established that it's not just about Oh, here, this is, I'm writing a book and there you are. Yeah, it's not transactional, right? It's, you know, you're transforming people and yourself. So we are going to transition into what I call the Rise Up and Be Visible Quick Tips. These are four questions that I ask every guest. The first question, visibility is, if you can fill in the blank and tell me why you answered that way. Visibility is having people understand and see your brand. Now, the reason I say that is because today in the busy world of everything, how do you make yourself stand out? Because you have to be visible. Think of the photographs that that you see where they have all the little, little images, all the same color, and then you have somebody that has a red head. It's the same idea. Visibility means you have to be seen. That's what that word means to me. And... You have to do things to have that your brand stand out. Mm-hmm. What are you doing to be visible? I'm going to sound like a broken record. I write. I write. <laughs> um, I, I write on a lot of venues, uh, articles, blogs, uh, even LinkedIn, um, books. Mm-hmm. And then what, what, what's really critical about that is that 
that opens the gate to visibility. Because when you write, there's a credibility that comes with you that puts you above anybody else. Because now you're showcasing your credibility, your knowledge, your ability to communicate. And for a lot of people, they'll use the written word to open the gate for public speaking engagements, which then gets them in front of potential clients to be able to be used as a sales funnel. So I, I write, open store. Yeah, that's a great answer, <laughs> 100%. What is the best career advice you've ever received? I always go back to this story, and this is going way, way back. This is when I really had, it wasn't my first job, it was my second job at a company I worked with. There was an executive that I worked with, and he gave me very good advice. He said, and this, I was in my 20s. This is Melissa, and this was banking. It was applied in a banking situation. But the thing is, is that the advice gets applied in real life in many ways. This is Melissa. You need to understand all the operations of the bank. So when there are problems and you need to find solutions, you know how everything all works together so that you can find the solutions that are gonna stick and that will be successful. In life, how does that transcend? In life, no matter what you're doing, you need to understand the backstory. You need to have knowledge about what you're going to do and you need to do a little research if you don't know anything about it so that you can make good, sound decisions and to be able to apply solutions that are going to work. So it's about knowledge. You got to have knowledge in order to be able to find solutions for yourself or to provide solutions to your clients. And this is what I was saying in the very beginning. I thought I expected my model to be a certain way. And the knowledge of working with these many different people opened my eyes to, yeah, you got to pivot. You got to offer more than just this. And that became from knowledge. And last question, this one might be a hard question for you, given your background and what you described your house to look like with books. But what is a book that you would recommend to the audience? You know, it's very interesting that you asked me that because I just recently went back and read a book. Many years ago, I learned a coined phrase from an author. And she said that she collected, she had what she called keeper books. The ones that stay on your shelf forever. I've got some really, really old ones. The oldest book that I have dates back to 1885. It's about the history of my, my community out here around in DuPage County. But to answer your question, there is a, a book that Maria Shriver wrote. And I'm gonna, we don't have the time to give the story about why she wrote it, but it's titled, Just Who Will You Be? There's a little balloon on the top, at least in this particular mm -hmm. book cover on the, on the, and it, there's a little balloon that's going up. And I kind of envision that of, of like, oh, your dreams are going and they're just going to sail and everything's going to be wonderful. But the, the, the message of the book is, you know, what do you want to do in your life? Doesn't maybe matter as much as who you are. Who do you want to be? And the challenge to ourselves is to discover who we want to become. And this was valuable to me, too, because we have different stages in our life where we change. 
So who we were when our 20s is not who we are in our 40s, who is not who we are in our early 60s, who may not be who we are in our 80s. So our life journey is a constant flow of change. And I think we have to be open to that and be willing to explore that. So that was the book. And it's a real shorty book. Yeah. And the way that it's written, it's almost written like one long, you know, collection of, of interesting insights. It's an easy read. But it's a beautiful book. And I have it sitting up oh. on my shelf. And I just happened to read that the other day. Excellent. Well, I love that recommendation. No one has recommended that one. So thank you for doing that. I am so grateful that you came on the show and shared all the wisdom that you have of the things that you have experienced for your business and with your authors and just the writing experience, uh, I think is going to be so helpful. I know some people who uh, have recently started down this path, and I think just hearing some of the messages that you're sharing are going to help them so much. I will share all the links that Melissa has so you can learn more about her if you want to work with her or to uh, follow her on LinkedIn and read the great stuff that she puts out there or any other place that you're doing it. So uh, I just wanted to thank you for coming on the show. I really enjoyed our conversation. Sue, thank you so much. This has been really enjoyable. I love talking books. I enjoy chatting anyway on many subjects. But um, And thank you for making this outlet available and for what you are doing in sharing the messages of all the guests that you have on your show and the work that you're doing. Thank you, Sue. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, thank you everybody for joining today on the Visibility Factor podcast, and we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks so much for listening to the Visibility Factor podcast. Remember that visibility starts with small steps that are intentional and consistent each day. Be bold, be visible, be the leader you were meant to be. Find us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Follow us on all of our social media platforms, which are highlighted in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Visibility Factor Podcast.